Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome, my friends, to your Saturday morning of Radio Extravaganza here on WABC. If you would like to be part of the program today, 800 848 WABC, 800 848 As you heard from Noam, a lot of people are in cleanup mode after the floods. I saw some uh, LaGuardia Airport, uh, what was it? It was the A-Terminal. People walking through water in the A-Terminal over there trying to get out. What a mess. There is a story today that that the the flooding is the worst since 2000 and what 2021 only this time no one is dead remember we had these floods a while ago and people were submerged in their basement apartments there's also a lot of criticism for mayor eric adams blasted for a lack of communication ahead of the storm, blasted for slow response to Friday's massive flooding after he failed to issue more than the most meager, I have a friend that pronounces that word, magra, more than the worst, more than the most magra warning in the uh, day before and even showed up late for an emergency management meeting. Hmm, where was he? He finally issued a state of emergency some two hours after governor, of Governor Kathy Hochul says she planned to order one for the state on Friday. Some of his fellow Democrats left steaming. So, will this, well, you know, and then I saw a video of Curtis. I saw a video on Twitter of Curtis, and Curtis was basically saying what, Many of us said after that last storm in 2021, gee, the infrastructure here in New York, why don't you try cleaning the storm basins, dredging the sewers, things like that that used to happen on a regular basis. But, you know, we don't have the money to do that because we're a sanctuary city and we're spending all our money trying to uh, house people that don't belong in the country and make sure that they have everything that they need to feel right at home in the States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Here we are, the 51st in Lexington, and it is just water, water everywhere. It's like a flood down here. This is nonstop. Whenever there's heavy rains in the subway system, you have to ask yourself, how the hell can we ever survive a Superstorm Sandy? 
psych all underwater. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse as the day goes on. No pump here at this station. And I know it's got to be a lot worse uptown because they just don't have the capacity to get rid of the water. And yet we went through this with Superstorm Sandy. We were supposedly had put aside millions and millions of dollars for the transit system. And now you have subway system coming to a halt, massive flooding. As you can see in this station alone, pretty soon you're going to need Noah's Ark. You hear the announcements of all the places that don't have any service. They don't have enough pumping gear, and you got to slosh your way in terms of paying your fare. Oh, that you got to do, right? But everybody, half the people are not paying their fare anyway on a regular day. So it's uh, dealing with the tsunami of the MTA money-taking agency that never seems to be able to keep the water away. Mm-hmm. Well, are you happy, folks? Your tax dollars at work making sure that you can slosh your way through New York subways. <laughs> there are a number of people stuck, of course. Thank goodness no one died in this one. But what will it take? See, this is, this is the thing. So many people believe that government is infallible. Oh, let the government do it. Let the government do it. If you trust in the government to that extent, perhaps you shouldn't. Everything is telling you don't do it. A government shutdown tonight. The stories are, oh, my goodness, we have ratcheted up the fear. Princess Di will be with us later in the show. I hope that she wants to talk about this impending government shutdown. Let me run through some of the headlines with you. I'm hoping to talk with Derek about some of this stuff, too. A government shutdown for dummies. A band of malcontents refuses to support funding bills while accomplishing nothing. That was in the Wall Street Journal. Fox News, tensions reach boiling point in House GOP meeting hours before expected government shutdown. This one, I believe, was in the New York... No, this was also Fox. Here. Oh, Derek is... Derek is... Derek is around. Yeah, I'm here. Here are the 21 House Republicans who voted no on McCarthy's stopgap funding bill to avert government shutdown. Do you know all 21 of the malcontents, Derek? No, I've tried to make my life as malcontent-free as possible, James. And I don't want to mm. know politicians. I uh, I subscribe to the philosophy pioneered by Rush. Don't become friends with these people because then it will pervert how you talk about them. Mm-hmm. Right-wing tank stop got Bill in House pushing government toward a shutdown. Where was that one? New York Times. Have you stocked up on canned goods and uh, ammunition no. in preparation for the looming government shutdown that will bring about nope. the end of Western civilization? No. Nope. Like the last one? Here's the Associated Press. What would a government shutdown mean for me? Snap? 
<laughs> Student loans and travel impacts explained. I do love how I heard Secretary Mayor Pete yesterday talking about the government shutdown and how it could impact air travel. Now, this is a guy who's presided over basically the collapse of reliable air travel. <laughs> and like, oh, no, it could be worse. And what was a joke was he said that there, there are trainings, certain uh, FAA trainings, that if you miss a day, it'll take a week. If government is shut down for a day, what? it'll take a week to make up for it. And what? I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. He went on from there because he said if you, if you miss a week, it'll take a month. If government is shut down for a week, it'll take a month to catch up. And if you then, if he literally went on to, if you miss a, if the government is closed for a month, it'll take a year to to get. Only government can pervert time in a way that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever as a cover for their wild incompetence. But this this is what he was trying to sell. And I thought, great, shut it down. How about if we shut it down forever? How long will it take to uh, to catch <laughs> it up? Would take, there, it would take eternity squared. Yeah, it'll take as long as it took him to competently manage the finances of South Bend, Indiana, when it came to bike paths. No, we never, never catch up. Washington I, I, Post, listen, how a shutdown could hit the environment, parks, and weather research. <laughs> Less enforcement of clear, clean air weather, and weather, weather protection. James, I have a question what? for you as a learned, <laughs> a learned <laughs> elder. When they yeah. talk about the climate research, they elder. insist they insist to us that what that the science is settled, that it's over, it's done. Anybody right. questions it is a moron. Then why are we paying millions upon millions of dollars to study it continually? If, if we wow. already know what it is, should we not cease all fun? We've got it. The science is settled. Once, I don't think there are many people out there studying gravity and find out, does gravity really exist? Does gravity really exist? You know, really Derek, this is a great point that you raise. Um, and this is one of the reasons I love talking with you. You have a unusual way of thinking. I've told you this privately, I, and, and I'll just say it publicly. I think next to next to Rush, you are probably one of the most original thinkers I've ever. That is a great question. That to me almost sounds like a great column, <clears throat> Derek, because that's true. If, if, and I never thought of that. That's not something that would occur to me. Why are we studying it if the science is settled? Right. I love well, that question. If you want to get a government grant, you go, oh, I want to study the mating habits of squirrels. I'm a weird person who lives in wood and loves woodland creatures, whatever. And you, you submit for a grant, and they go, yeah, no, you're, not, you're nuts, is what they'll say. But then if you say, I want to study the mating habits of squirrels and how it's impacted by climate change, suddenly the floodgates open. It's like a subway in, in Manhattan. The floodgates just open, and you, you it, it changes everything. It bastardizes everything. And I'm sitting here saying, well, if the conclusion is already known in all of these things, then why are we spending the money? That is a great question. And that's a, I love that. Why are we spending the money? There's your headline. Let me run through a few other things and then let's circle back, uh, ooh, to, I hate that expression, but <laughs> let's do that anyway. Let's, let's, okay, read you your Gerbils, your Jen Saki. We'll circle back. <laughs> Jen, that's my loving nickname Jen, for her, Ginger Gerbils. Gen, <laughs> Ginger Gerbils. Okay. Let me, let me, first of all, this is an odd question, but as soon as I saw the story, I thought of you, and I'm looking for the story now. All right. 
And I thought, you thought of, you of me, and then you immediately threw the story away and burned it. No, I've just got so much stuff here. Um, I, have you have your children seen Bambi? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. They okay. What's weird is they have really no patience for classic animation. I've never seen Bambi either, so there's that. I know you the, haven't. The gist of it. I haven't seen any. I watched Fantasia once with a girl because it it was we and I'd heard that if you you were trying to get in and you were trying to let's score. just say that if you you uh, did things that were that are now decriminalized, um, it would be a great experience to watch Fantasia. I found that not to be the case, but that's beside the point. I've not seen The Lion King. I've not seen Pinocchio. I know the stories. I don't feel like I need to. Plus, eh, nah. I, I never really liked kid movies, even when I was a kid. Well, oh well, we have that in common. A lot of the kid movies, I actually remember seeing Bambi and uh, seeing trying to look at it. And the only impression that I have from that time I was young is that that guy had a nice shot. Something about shot. something about it horrified me when I was a kid. Well, you killed Bambi. Is that what, why you're vegetarian? No, but, I mean, it doesn't hurt. So there's a new Disney screenwriter. Um, well, no, there's a D- Disney writer, and the story today is that she wants to amend, they're, they're, you know, they're doing the Bambi over, and she wants to take the scene out where they uh, terminate Bambi's mommy. And Isn't that the, the, the whole thing? I don't I don't know it well. I don't enough. know. Nick is shaking his head. What? What? Nick did 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 you see Bambi? So what is it? I now did. Like yeah. Daddy, I kind of Daddy agree. Bambi's I think, an alcoholic. You know, retconning that and making the mom survive kind of defeats the whole purpose of the beginning of the movie because it's kind of like, you know, it's a bit of a dark story, but it's I guess it's supposed to teach kids about a uh, concept of grief a little bit, you know, or hunting, hunter. Yeah, um, the importance of aim. She's just okay, winged, and, winged and has a limp for the rest of the movie. He had a good so, shot. You're right, Derek. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Here's the story right here. Behind the General Milley story. Fitting. Former Disney screenwriter behind Bambi remake calls for scene in which the famous Deer's mother dies to be scrapped because it is too triggering for parents and children. God. Her name is Lind. See, that was the reaction you came up with. No, Her name is Lind. fired. She should be fired right now. Like, okay, you're, you're, she's you're a having... former. Okay, she left already. Her name is Lindsay Anderson Beer, and she had been working on the live action version of the much beloved Bambi film to bring it. What do you mean it was live made action? in nineteen. 19- There's no live action. It's a deer movie. For God, the Thumper is not. There's not training a, a rabbit right now to talk and to bang its foot on the ground. It's a it's a better animation. It's computer animation. It's not live action. Are there even people in Bambi aside from the guy who shot and killed his mom, her mom? I don't know. The film tells the story of Bambi and his friends, including a rabbit, a wabbit named Thumper. Mm-hmm. I don't remember Thumper I and a skunk a named. You, mean you don't remember Thumper. Thumper is a main character. I don't remember it. That's like going. What are these robots in Star Wars? I don't know. There's a little blue garbage can running around. <laughs> And a skunk named Flower. And do you remember the skunk? I don't. I and, never saw the movie. I knew there was a skunk. Right. Okay. And so people are saying, you know, people are tweeting, 
Why do they want to F up? Why do they want to modernize Bambi, screw woke Disney? Now, usually, you know, I'm not a fan of this woke business and all the rest of it, but but I remember that that killing Bambi's mother, I mean, you're a kid, and you start a movie with the murder of something. Am I, have I lost it? Am I, no, I the, thought it was, murder oh, I remember what, much, when James. I saw the murder when of I it saw, is a bit, it's not like Jeffrey Dahmer is going around just shooting animals or some drunk guy like riding around in his pickup truck shooting animals randomly. It is a hunter that is going out there presumably for food. Okay? To kill Bambi's mother. He murders Bambi's mother. You want to make it mother. interesting, Disney? Take a, take a, the, make the Bambi remake from the perspective of the hunter. So they shoot Bambi's mom right away. And then they go home and they gut it and they clean it. And then they make a nice meal, several meals for their family. It's probably not award-winning. But take the, take the twist and say, here's what happened to Bambi's mom. Or just leave the damn movie. This is the problem, James. She Nobody has any original thoughts. Nobody has any original thoughts anymore. So how about we, how about we just take this? How about we make The Godfather, except we Don't make mess with it The Godfather. The Godmother. No. Huh? How about that? How no, about let's not do that. Talia Shire in charge. Like that? No. Come up with something original or just re-release the old thing. But they can't re-release the old thing because I've watched, was it, uh, Indiana Jones, the new Indiana Jones movie, which I think is excellent. Uh, Dial of Destiny. But if you watch it right as you're pushing play, it's like a depiction of tobacco consumption or something. Is There's a warning that pops up on the screen. I'm like, really? Who cares? Have you ever seen a movie where you're like, I'm going to get secondhand celluloid smoke? Are you really worried about... That to that point, then you shouldn't. You then you're not going to be in the theater. You're not going. Okay, be in the so theater. you, so you think they just ought to leave the plot alone, let Bambi's mother get murdered, and just keep. I'm keep sick going of remakes. I don't want them to remake. Is there anybody sitting there going, you know what? I really want to see. It's 1942. Bambi. You just said your kids don't even watch animation, probably because it I don't think so... they need. To, if they thought they needed to see Bambi, they would have seen Bambi. They may well have seen Bambi. My wife, my wife tries to force that crap on them. I don't. But uh, if they want to see Bambi, Bambi exists. That doesn't have to be like, well, we've got to make it with much better animation. You really, you go back and you watch any science fiction movie up until, I don't know, the early 2000s or mid-2000s, and you go, God, the special effects suck. It's embarrassing. You thought it was mind-blowing at the time. You go, this sucks. How about you spend some time, burn some calories, updating the special effects in those movies to make them retroactively better without having to remake them? Rather than going, I don't have any new ideas. Why don't we just rape everybody's childhood? Oh man! Oof. What? I mean, I remember some of these things when I was a kid. Like we used to watch March of the Wooden Soldiers, Thanksgiving, which is coming up sooner than we all expect. Thanksgiving had started. You you would put, see I March of the Wooden Soldiers. November. I don't know when you expect it, but I think it'll be right around when I expect it. Yeah, March of the Wooden Soldiers, and then there was the other one. Oh yeah, the Wizard of Oz. Oh, I remember yeah. the first time I remember the first time I saw the Wizard of Oz and I was really young. And those Oreo guys, whoever they were, I mean those guys were scary when you're a kid. The you know, flying monkeys? Those those the things, flying yes. monkey scene yeah, it was racist. A little, it was scary. <laughs> I can't even make the joke that I'm horribly flooding <laughs> in my mind right now, but you know, maybe I'll text it to you later. But it is one I watched that scene like, oh my god, this is scary as hell. But you know what? Right. You got over it. 
You got over it. What are we supposed to do? We've got to insulate these children. It's weird. We've got to insulate children from anything that might frighten them. But we need teachers to talk about their sex lives and explain to them how they can be any gender and we can just neuter them and make them into a Ken doll if they feel weird for a second. <laughs> like, okay, I'd much rather have them see Bambi's mom get her head blown clean off than have a kindergarten teacher with a, a flow chart of how you can change your gender. We got to take a break on that heartless remark. <laughs> I ain't wrong. And then you want to, and then you, not only that, then you want the kids to watch them make Bambi's mother into deer steak. Hey, I make the sausage. I'd rather make the sausage than cut off the sausage. Oh, goodness. Oh, on this day in 2011, Marv Tarplin, American guitarist, songwriter, died. He was 70 years old. Why are we playing Smokey Robinson and the Miracles tracks in my tears? Because he wrote it. He was best known as the guitarist for the Miracles. He wrote this one. He wrote others with uh, the Marvelettes, the Supremes. This one won a Grammy back in 1965, I believe. Coming back, Derek Hunter is with us here on the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. You can weigh in on any of this stuff. Yes, we're going to talk showdown. Robert Kennedy is in the news. We've got flooding in New York. We've got uh, at General Milley. And so much more. Stay with us. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. 2007, the Foo Fighters went to number one. Their UK album charts with Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace. Their sixth studio album. It was their second number one album. I was asking Lisa. Lisa was texting me during the break. She says they probably want to make the new Bambi about gun control. And I wouldn't doubt that. But I asked her if they watched Bambi in her house. She said, "Yeah, we talked about it. They were more terror. The kid, her kids were more terrorized by the Wicked Witch of the West than the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, the Wicked Witch of the West was deep. Yeah, she she was she was, yeah." Derek, of course, wants to see Bambi gutted, Bambi's mom gutted on live TV, on, on animation TV. That would be interesting. I want to see the proper way to prepare and dress Bambi's mom. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this, James, because you, uh, you're the, the music guy. You know music better than just about anybody. You played the Foo Fighters coming back. I love the Foo Fighters. Of course, Dave Grohl is known, became known as the drummer of the band Nirvana, which I love. Nirvana, yeah. But is there a better second act in all of music than Dave Grohl? No, 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 no. He is amazing. Not even close. He's amazing. 
Like Paul McCartney, right. Paul McCartney, I don't consider McCartney's solo stuff to be a second act because he wasn't the singer, he wasn't the songwriter. He was just a member. Dave Grohl was just the drummer of Nirvana. And then when Kurt Cobain killed himself, he, you know, Chris Novoselic just kind of disappeared. And Dave Grohl said, you know what, I got, I got more stuff to do. And he came out from behind the drum kit, picked up every instrument and did everything. And I was like, oh, my God. If, if Kurt Cobain had not died, would Dave Grohl be Dave Grohl? Probably, because he's that talented and it had to come out. I was blown away, and don't get all snarky with me, when I, when I saw them in London. Mm-hmm. And Ooh, it's not just... Uh, it's not it, From backstage, how was the view from backstage, James? It was great from backstage, yeah. and I met him. I bet you and let me. I did meet him, and he's I a nice guy. Right. But let me I love just it. Say he's this. a nice guy. When you meet somebody, he's a really nice guy. Like you met him at an event. What do you What do you expect him to do? Stab? Him? I didn't expect like, him to be a prick. But there are sometimes you meet people and they do come off pricky. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't one of those people. Right. He came off like, like you know, for the for the four seconds he gave you, it was at least some eye contact and genuine. Hey, how are you doing? Blah blah blah. Okay, that's all you expect. Right. Okay, but let me just to your point, Derek. This guy went on for a four-hour show, four hours, mm. nonstop. Well, it, was, it, Vocals, should be, it should be guitar, it's, it's a tribute. Sh- it's a tribute show to his drummer friend, to Taylor guy. Hawkins. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they're not going to come out in twenty minutes set and then move on. But my point about Dave Grohl is, like, is there anybody even close? Is there anybody even remotely close to Dave Grohl's career arc where he's just a member of a band, a wildly popular band? Ringo had a good solo career. I think Ringo actually sold more records in the '70s than the other Beatles did. But Paul McCartney did. I don't know. The, the late With 70s wings. and early 80s he did. I know I, he sold records, but Ringo sold a ton of records in the 70s, believe it or not. Ringo had two hits. He had a couple of albums. They sold a lot of money, a lot of a lot of records. But any, I'll look it up. But he was also a member of the Beatles, and everybody knew who Ringo was. If In the height of Nirvana, you, everybody knows <laughs> Kurt Cobain. I'm not sure every, like, every third person would go, oh, yeah, Dave Grohl, he's the drummer. Because he wasn't yeah. the drummer on the first album, so I, I don't know that there's a better second act, and I don't know. That I, I, I'm agreeing second. with you. I don't I even know if there's he... a close second. Is there a close second? Well, you said Paul McCartney before, and you said well, yeah, he but wasn't. That but Paul count. McC- they, right? He, Paul they McCartney all... was. They were just all who they were. They all. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, this guy is just. He, he, he is just. To- he's totally amazing. I think he's probably one of the most beloved musicians in the world at this point. He certainly crosses, he he has appeal to every genre of music. And Does Eric Clapton count as a second act? Who? No, because Clapton, he was kind Adam of the Supreme? lead guy. All, he was always kind of the lead guy. It'd be more yeah. like if John Paul Jones did something, because Jimmy Page was Jimmy Page. And the, like suddenly the bass player from Led Zeppelin starts going crazy and making records. Who was it? Was it Waylon Jennings that was supposed to be on the plane with Buddy Holly? Who was in the Crickets? I don't remember. Ended up having some country legend. I think it was Waylon Jennings who was in the Crickets, who uh, was supposed to be on that flight, but he gave up his seat to Richie Valens, who was sick. And then he went on to uh, become a country legend. That was a, a hell of a second act, but... Not too many people, not like this, members of a band who suddenly become 
something completely different. I mean, I guess Justin Timberlake in sync, but in sync was wildly popular and they all did the same sort of thing. And he just had a solo career. It's different than being a member of the band and then suddenly being the guy. Yeah. I know I agree with you on this, Derek, which surprises me. Well, I'm right. Politics. Okay, let's talk about Dianne Feinstein for a few minutes. Ann Coulter, your buddy, um, wrote that, uh, and she wrote a piece, I didn't print it out, that uh, with the passing of Dianne Feinstein, we lost the last sane Democrat, according to Ann Coulter. Um, I was, of course, Dianne Feinstein's kids are all fighting over the billion-dollar estate. Mm Mm-hmm. That's part of the news today. Uh, there's a few stories about the selection process that Gavin Gazem Newsom is going to have to go through to pick somebody. Barbara Lee's trying to hype up her fans to, oh, somebody just, at least it just typed Sting. Sting. The Sting was the leader of the police. He was the singer and songwriter. It, it would be one thing if Andy Summers... Or Stuart Copeland suddenly blew right. up after they broke up. That's what I mean. Like, John Lennon and Paul McCartney had a hell of a solo career after the Beatles, but they were the face of the, They were the lead singer. They were everything. George Harrison was still a member of the... And it's hard to use the Beatles as an analogy, but it would be like suddenly the Stones implode and Ronnie Wood surpasses everything the Stones did. Because let's be honest, the Foo Fighters have well surpassed everything that Nirvana did. The only thing that they couldn't do and couldn't recapture was the fact that the the times changed because of Nirvana. You know, it went from right. hair metal to, to grunge, and, uh, you know, Dave Grohl couldn't recapture that. But as far as song quality, Foo Fighters are, I think, a better band. Better, much better. So going back to Diane Feinstein, what are your thoughts about this? Now, Gavin Newsom is going to – he's there are people telling him, hey, forget that p- a pledge you made about appointing an interim black woman – just go ahead and appoint Katie. <laughs> I love the way that they love to toss the black people aside. Yeah. But that's, but, but they, hey, forget about that stuff about black woman. I mean, we, we only use that when we have to. Um, let's just get Katie Porter in there or whatever. Well, for the longest the, time, what were the consequences for Democrats screwing over black people? Nothing. Black people nothing. still vote for him 95%. So like, why not? Why not? Right. right. I do love Adam Schiff running. And Adam Schiff talking about, uh, oh, this, that, like, uh, this, this, the state of California, the largest population of any ethnic group is Hispanic. Democrats absolutely love quote unquote representation. You can only represent somebody if you look like them or whatever that crap is. And then you got this rich white guy running for the Senate seat against Hispanic people. Like, well, why, why wouldn't you practice what you preach and just drop out of the race? And let the largest major the majority, not majority, but the plurality, have their representation. Why should you be there, Mister White Guy? They never, they never get asked that question. I would say they never answer that question, but they never get asked that question. Uh, it's yeah, just so- total hypocrisy. So yeah, Gavin Newsom. You don't even have to convince Gavin Newsom to lie. It's part of who he is. So you don't have to go. You know what? You can forget your pledge. He. He made a pledge before God and his family in his first marriage. And how did that work out? Ask his, ask his chief of staff when he was mayor of San Francisco. I don't know which chief of staff it was. The first, I think it was probably the first one. The one that he slept with his wife. 
Um, ask him how much pledges really mean to good old Governor Hairdo, and then uh, go from there. It's going to be. See, I. It's going to be interesting because whoever, you know, he said, I'm not going to appoint somebody who's running. Well, here's right. an idea. If you're just a random state senator or whatever, and you're like, hey, you want to serve for the next year as a United States senator? Sure, yeah. All right, because you're not running. You get in there. The first thing you do, once you're appointed, you're in. They can't unappoint you. They can't. There's no process for removing a senator. Say, guess what? I'm running for Senate now. I am the incumbent. So Gavin might as well appoint somebody who's uh, running for the job. But it'll be really funny because he'd have to pick not only who he likes best in the field, but who he hates most in the field. And I bet you he's inclined to pick the white guy. Ooh, this will be interesting. Is right. All right. Now, Robert Kennedy is saying he's going to run as an independent. Yeah, I love right that. He's now. Going to announce he's it on, on October 9th. You know, there's a big <laughs> special announcement coming up October 9th. It's the longest telegraph punch in history. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, but isn't this going to make it fun? I mean, the guy's already scoring about 17 points if you look at the polls, if they're mm-hmm. accurate. And 17 if, points if, in the Democratic primary, not in the general election. Yeah, so. but so what? So he steals know, what? At 17 yeah. points of about 40% of the population. It's, it's enough to make a difference given how close. Look, Democrats stuffing ballot boxes are going to have to start paying overtime because they're going to have to really make up the difference here. I do love it. I got I get all sorts of fundraising emails. I did get a fundraising email from Adam Schiff, the aforementioned Adam Schiff, talking about a picture of him from his bat mitzvah and how he's, oh, this, that, and the other. He's always been interested in justice. At, at 13, as his testicles descended, all he really cared about was justice. I'm like, give me a break. But he did, <laughs> he did cite Robert Kennedy and Al Gore Sr., and like tireless champions for civil rights and everything. I'm like yeah, Al Gore Sr. filibustered the Civil Rights Act, dude. Not yep. really sure you know your history. But it's weird to me that these Democrats will still dance on the graves of Kennedy boys while simultaneously denouncing their children as perhaps history's greatest monster. You don't get to use as a party Robert Kennedy to raise money while calling Robert Kennedy Jr. an idiot, a threat to democracy, a crazy person, whatever. But they do it because they have no scruples, they have no standards, they have no decency. But other than that, they're lovely dinner guests. And Robert Kennedy, again, has been denied Secret Service protection, despite the Secret Service believing that he is a risk for, quote-unquote, adverse attention. This is just pure political... It would be an insult to... Joe Biden's base. That's who's threatening him. That's who's mad he exists. It's Democrats. Al, you're going to put a a bunch of people against your base? Are you going to protect somebody from your base? It's not not conservatives who are going, ah, get that, Kennedy. How dare he come? No, it's Democrats. Okay? If somebody gets arrested for trying to assassinate or harm Robert Kennedy Jr., MSNBC's ratings go down. <sighs> Unless they have it in prison. But I doubt it. WABC. punishment. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We are coming back. 
Yeah, baby. She yeah, make, I know. Does it was she fantasy. still make music? Does she still make music? She still make. Hey, look, Mariah Carey has the Christmas market locked up. Oh, I know. She look. She's got f me money. She, not f you money. F me money. She could screw over herself to screw over somebody. She's got so much money. But she doesn't seem to be doing anything. She just occasionally shows up on Andy Cohen's show an hour late, looking crazy. Where's the show? Why is Britney? Why is she's just one knife dance away from being Britney Spears? She's what? One knife dance away from being Britney Spears. Britney Spears got a wellness check because of her knife dance this week. Uh, oh, I just learned she's doing. TJ just told me she's doing shows in Vegas. She's Britney. doing the Vegas circuit. Oh, all right. Yeah. Seems, anyway, this one was number one. Everything about her just seems insufferable, doesn't it, though? Like, you meet Dave Grohl, and you're like, God, what a cool guy. You meet Mariah Carey, and you're like, okay, she kept me waiting for four hours. She would, She made me kiss her ring and then ran away, wouldn't talk to me. She's carrying a chihuahua that bit me. Like, I just imagine it's an absolute nightmare to meet Mariah Carey. <laughs> her purse dog bit me. <laughs> This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. 1978, John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John had this one, their second number one from the film Grease. Summer Nights on WABC. we got to get to the phones really quickly. I'm going to get a call in because it's a topic that Derek and I have not reached yet, and that would be Adam from Mineola. Adam, you up early, making sure that you can get in, speak with Derek Hunter. Adam, what's on your mind this morning? Good morning, Derek. Good hey, morning, Adam. Mr. Bo. Good morning. Um, I see you're I'm listening to the subjects that you're talking about, you know, Wizard of Oz, all this garbage. Sir, could you could you please explain why Jonathan Turley said there was no type of evidence against Biden? <laughs> oh, he didn't, say there, he didn't say there was no type of evidence. The question he Adam. specifically asked, Adam, was whether or not there was enough evidence now to impeach Joe Biden. And he said, no, there wasn't. Now, you, this is where the horrible job that media does and god-awful horrible people that populate it or dumb people, it's your choice, uh, are. They don't tell you what an impeachment inquiry is. It's different than an impeachment. An investigation leads to criminal charges. You don't just file criminal charges and then say, we haven't done any investigating. But don't worry, my spidey sense tells me this person did it. This is the inquiry. An impeachment is a vote of the House to say there should be a, a trial in the Senate to find out whether or not this person should be removed from office. An impeachment inquiry is the investigation up to that point. The House Republicans did not. They had subpoena power only as related to legislative issues in the House of Representatives, except if there is an impeachment inquiry. They could not subpoena, say, bank records from anybody because there was no legislative purpose to that. But in an impeachment inquiry, they then have much broader uh, subpoena powers. Now they can get bank records, which they have subpoenaed from Joe, uh, from 
his brother and his son, President Biden's son, they will actually be able to investigate. You investigate to find out whether or not there is something there. You have suspicion. You have reason to believe. But unlike Democrats who go, we're going to look and see if we can find a crime. And you go from there. You go where the evidence takes you. Democrats sit there and say, well, we've started this. Why aren't we at the finish line yet? It's because you don't have anything. And they think that Jonathan Turley pointing out how investigations work with some kind of smoking gun, which you just reiterated here. There's no evidence to impeach him or not enough evidence to impeach him is what he said. It wasn't that there was no evidence. There's a lot of really you don't generate 2000 suspicious activity reports in the Department of Treasury because your banking is perfectly normal and you're not receiving millions of dollars from overseas. So Democrats just made that argument that you did to try and prevent the investigation, to try and prevent the discovery of evidence. This is the starting line is not the finish line, but the media is so terrible at explaining what impeachment actually is. So They investigated Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon was never impeached. He resigned before he could be impeached. Impeachment doesn't happen until the moment the House passes an impeachment resolution and sends it over to the Senate for a trial. And being impeached is not removed from office. Impeachment is there's evidence for a trial. But it's, it's all very confusing. And when you have a lazy media that is in the tank for one political party and has no interest in educating the people or possibly they're dumb enough not to know it themselves, you end up with what we have. Adam. For you, Bob. Yes, Adam. For uh, you, Mr. Bob. In Paracontra, check this out. Well, the evidence, what about that bogus garbage that the guy you've been praising, Byron Donalds, he comes with some TikTok garbage that he got, and AOC ripped him a new one with that garbage evidence he had. He, he had his head down like baby Yui. Adam, could like, I ask you like, to be more vague, please? Please be more vague. <laughs> Somebody might know what the hell you're talking about. Be more vague. <laughs> Oh, you forgot what Byron Donald tried to introduce? Yeah, I, I do love one thing. Oh, they doctored a text message. That, no, they highlighted part of a text message. They didn't highlight the whole thing. Again, this is the first inve- part of an investigation. This is the launching of an investigation. This is like going to a groundbreaking ceremony for an office building and bringing your desk. And going, what the hell? Where's my? Where am I supposed to work? Like That's not how the world works. But, of course, if you don't want the building to be built or you want to distract from what's going on, then you do what AOC did. You should never, ever cede any intellectual ground to AOC, by the way. I mean, honestly, her IQ is about that of her shoe size on a good day, on a test she's cheating on. So don't don't. I I do love the one member of Congress like, oh, they think Joe Biden is guilty of is loving his son unconditionally. That was uh, that was uh, Representative Crockett out of Texas. Right. Well, I should have put some conditions on there, like you know, don't smoke crack, don't film yourself with a whole bunch of prostitutes, don't sleep with your sister-in-law. Those are there should be some conditions on it, right? Honestly, <laughs> Adam, Adam, Adam. Can I ask you one question, Adam? Then we got to go to a break. Do you think that uh, the Biden family has done anything at all wrong? with regard to the $20 million that we know so far that poured in and was dispersed among all of these. I would even add, not even illegal, but shady. 
some shady stuff. Right. Do you think that the Biden family is involved in anything shady, Adam? Yes or no? I, I can't say yes or no. I, I, I can talk about that you can just say I don't care. That Trump, that I, that D oh, after their not, I didn't ask you about Trump. I asked you about Biden. That D after their name is a shield, and I don't care. There's, there's the answer. Exactly. Thank you. Adam, always a pleasure, my friend. We gotta this. go to a... I will say this. I, I grew up loving hockey and I hated Chris Chelios. He was a <laughs> horrible, cheap player. And then he became a Red Wing. And I loved Chris Chelios. What team you're on, <laughs> what team the players are on matters more than just about anything else. Yeah. Today is the heavenly birthday of Frankie Lyman. Frankie Lyman, the teenagers, had this one in 1956. Age 25, of course, he died of a drug overdose. The music lives on. WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming back, more Derek Hunter, more you, right after this. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all-natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. I'm going to have to ask you about the debates before you go away, but wait. Phil Collins, you're right. We got to take a call. Patrick in Long Island. You're on WABC. Oh, hi, James. hi, James. Like, yeah, I just hi, want to yeah. say Phil Collins uh, being the drummer and then becoming the lead singer with Genesis when Peter Gabriel left. Yeah. And solo, too. There's a second and, and solo, third too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's those drummers, man. The drum kit is impressive. He's a great drummer. Absolutely. Love it. Thanks, Patrick. All right, thank you. Yeah, and you know that made me also think of you know there was uh, it was Phil Collins, and I was going to say Peter Gabriel had a great career as yeah, but he well. He was the lead singer of Genesis. Well, he was the lead, and Genesis yeah. wasn't Genesis wasn't nearly as popular with Peter Gabriel as they were with Phil Collins. How about Robert Palmer? Yeah, Robert Palmer yeah. was my first concert. Really, really. Did he, did, was it a great show? And, uh, Steel, I love that guy. Steel Pulse. Op- the girls weren't there, so I, I was kind of disappointed. But oh uh, yeah, the girls in the black dresses. Yeah, the slick yeah. back hair. But uh, it was Steel Pulse open for him. Was not a fan of reggae, which we touched on last week. So yeah, you're horrible. Put me in a bad mood. But it was. <laughs> I I didn't choose the concert. My friend Bill wanted to go, and I said, "Fine, I'll go." 
And so we went. But he died, you know, not long after. So it wasn't like you know, it was a waste of time. I can say I saw Robert Palmer and he was fine. He was good. It was a good show, but I wasn't excited about it. I wasn't I wasn't not a Robert Palmer fan, but I wasn't a Robert Palmer fan. It wasn't I was more into indie rock and alternative, but whatever. And Lisa said Michael Jackson, but that's the same thing before. He was the face of the Jackson Five, right? And then, yeah, yeah and then the Jacksons, and then he stepped out. I mean, like if Tito, like Tito blew up afterwards, that right? Be a little bit different. <laughs> Jermaine, oh, just oh, that Jermaine, he just took over the world once they shook that Michael kid. <laughs> the debates. You, I'm assuming you watched them. Apparently, the numbers went down to nine million from twelve million people. Right. Just not as interested. What'd you think? But, the, I I thought the moderators were terrible. I think the the, the uh, everybody was embarrassing to one degree or another. The I don't understand why you had the uh, the Telemundo or Univ- Univision girl, a woman up there asking questions directly from the the Democratic National Committee, and then the stupid Survivor <laughs> question. You're asking questions about all these things, and you're like, is this an MSNBC debate? This is a problem. This is indicative of the problem. Of the Republican committee being so married, to, and and a problem with our media too, but being so married to Fox, where could they go to get a good debate? To get good debate moderators, they almost radio. Have to, they almost have to go to CNN. I'd say radio and some some websites. But then nobody would watch it. You got to have a cable channel in there, so you got to give Fox one of the moderators. The RNC has the product. The networks want, they could set the terms a little bit better and say, all right, we're going to have three moderators, CNN, you get one of them, and we get the other two, and we're going to do it on our terms. And you also need to go from seven to maybe four people. You need to set and the bar And that may happen higher. next time. They need to set the that bar may... a little higher. Yep. Derek, where can people find you? Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or uh, townhall.com or just search D-E-R-E-K Hunter there's some dude who writes books about vampires. That ain't me. Uh, I'm the cool, sexy one. So you just find me that way. Derek Hunter, thank you. Time to take a news break here at WABC. Coming back for our number duo right after Don't Go Away. Welcome to our number duo of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. Noam Layden is with us, WABC News Director. Noam, I have maybe the story that you did, this troubling story about which took uh, what took place in the Bronx, I just saw a story on the Daily Mail that may add something to that. What is that? A woman who was shot dead along with her dog and another man in Upper Manhattan on Friday night had also been the target of a terrifying home invasion. Jackie Bellini, 57, was identified by her family. She worked as an analyst for the state court system in the Bronx. 
Now, they say that she had been previously attacked in her apartment by a man wielding a hammer in April. I don't know whether that adds anything to it. It just seems an odd coincidence to come at uh, that, that she was already had been attacked. And um, who knows? Yeah, maybe it's, you know, I'm only guessing here. I know nothing because you're adding more that I did not know. Sounds maybe love triangle-ish, something like that. Somebody that knows her that's what either, or has some incredible vendetta against her. Right. So I don't know. There could be something to this. Uh, Noam, talk to me about this story for a minute that happened. A lot of people are talking about this one. Remember that woman that got uh, that pushed the 87-year-old uh, music person in and and she killed her and she was in trial this is uh what is this woman's name this is the, you talking uh, about the long there's so many of these pushings the long island one you're talking about yes 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 yeah uh well crazy story this you're talking about the one that shoved a grandmother eight years right she, okay yeah she got um eight years behind bars uh, she'll have to serve eight years behind bars. This is um, uh, the uh, Broadway vocal music coach who was sh- uh, shoved to – the woman is accused of fatally shoving this uh, Broadway music vocal coach to her death. Um, so the woman who did so is this 26-year-old who's from – I think she, it's uh, – and I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think she's from Port Jefferson, Long Island, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she pled guilty last month to manslaughter, and she was sentenced this week. She'll get um, – Eight and a half years behind bars. Yeah, they tacked on another half year because she showed so little remorse. She was in the court crying and carrying on, and but it was like the tears were for herself. They weren't for, and the judge was just startled by the lack of remorse that she genuinely had. Yeah, this was she just the whole way she acted in the aftermath. Of this shove and um, the few times that she was, uh, microphones were near her. Yeah, she did not seem remorseful at all anywhere during the process and then including up to sentencing day this week. Yeah, well, there are a lot of people that are going to be really short on sympathy for her. You know, talk to me about this flooding that's going on. What's the deal, Norm? Is this, you know, everyone's saying, okay, the climate's getting worse than ever. And then there are other voices, like our very own Curtis Lee, who's saying, hey, what about the infrastructure? What about maintaining infrastructure here? How about the fact that the, the catch basins haven't been cleaned or or, or we're suffering from a, a lack of, of resources dealing with New York's infrastructure? Where do you where do you come on this? Well, you know, it's interesting. The mayor yesterday. So there's a lot involved here. First of all, we only got a warning really about this storm from the Port Authority. So give them credit. Credit's due there. They said, hey, on Thursday, they say, hey, come Friday. It could be really bad. And they even went as far to say as. Subway stations are going to be flooded. So, oh, they you, did. They did. They held a press conference on Thursday. We were running the audio all Friday morning that said subway stations are going to be flooded. The storm that's coming, it looks really bad. So, you know, before you head out, make sure you check the website to see that your train is running. But they were the only ones that gave us a warning. City Hall did not. You would think City Hall normally when they know a storm like this is coming. Uh, City Hall will hold this huge press conference. They'll bring in emergency management. They'll bring the NYPD, the FDNY, and everybody will speak. We did not get that. So when that warning came out and so many people got it on their phone, 
phone that basically said the world <laughs> the world was ending. I mean, we got one of those texts about 8.15 yesterday morning. Lots of people were looking around completely shocked and surprised. They said, where is this coming from? And then, of course, it just got worse by the day. And then finally, we heard from City Hall and we heard from the governor. But it wasn't until later on when already things were really terrible. You had you know, seven inches of rain fell in parts of Brooklyn in a really short period of time. Streets and Park Slope were just completely flooded out. People, if they'd had a warning, would have been able to move their cars off of streets that sometimes flood have flooded in uh, other times. But n- there was no warning that this was happening, except, again, I'll give my credit to the Port Authority. They did warn us it was going to be bad. Wow. At least on this one, what was the concern was that people in basement apartments, like that awful storm we had two years ago where people actually drowned in basement apartments. We had no deaths reported as a result of the storm this time, and that is a blessing given the severity of this storm. Yeah, thank God. So the FDNY told us they did about 15 saves of people from apartments. Three of them were from basement apartments. The others were people who just trapped and wanted to get out. And then when... um James, when they finally held this uh, press conference yesterday from the mayor where they had everybody speak, he said, you're, go, to go to your thought about the catch basins, he said, hey, if it's safe and you see the drains are clogged, you could do us a solid by going in and cleaning out those drains, grab branches, oh trash. Yeah, he said this during yesterday's press conference. And so uh, because it, they, it was so bad, they needed the water needed someplace to go. So he said, hey, we need your help if you could do that. Uh, and it's safe. I mean, he did say that. Go and clean out that drain in your neighborhood so the water has somewhere to go. Ask not what your city can do for you. <laughs> Ask what you can do for your city. <laughs> right. I mean, it's the right thing to do, I guess, if you see a drain is, you know, clogged. But it goes back to your point. How come this isn't being done by city workers on a regular basis? It's supposed to be. You know what's happening tomorrow on the Cats Roundtable between 9 and 10 a.m., don't you? Uh, Bill Clinton, yeah. Yeah, 41st. For an exclusive interview. And um, I'm sure we're going to be running tape on this, and we'll hear, be, be hearing. Uh, talk, they'll be talking politics. They'll be talking about the Clinton Global, Global Institute. And uh, so many more different challenges that are pressing. So this ought to be an interesting interview. Yeah, uh, you know, they're going to talk about everything. I mean, you, know, you sat down for a solid hour. It's not often that you have a former president giving a solid hour to anyone. But, of course, it's John Casamitidis, who's an important guy, of course, the owner of our radio station, and is friendly, has been with the Clintons for many years. And so I, I imagine they'll hit every topic that you can think of during the course of that hour. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing some of the excerpts of it. I have my own questions. I'd love to ask Bill Clinton, of course, but I'll probably never get a chance to. Let me ask you another question. I hate to take you by surprise by this one. Have you seen this this video that uh, teacher was knocked unconscious by a female student? She this this girl picks up a metal chair hurls it at her teacher. It smacks the teacher in the head. The teacher drops like a rock, unconscious. And I understand the teacher is still in the hospital. And this happened at something called the Southwestern Classical Academy. 
And get this, when the school did a statement, they, they, they released a statement, and they said that the altercation, there was a physical altercation between two scholars, and that's what, it's, what? Yeah. Un, 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 unfathomable. It's, I look at this and I'm just, I don't believe some things that I actually see in video could be happening in schools. And you wonder why there's a shortage of teachers everywhere you go across the country. There's a shortage of teachers so bad, James, out in the western towns. They, um, they've gone to a four day work week to attract teachers to these schools because uh, nobody, there's so many people leaving the profession. I mean, it's not only because of that violence. And I can tell you from a personal experience, I have one of my kids is in high school and, Mm -hmm. uh, he's told me numerous times about teachers who are attacked by students and he doesn't go to what you would call a violent school but it happens and so you see that and you know and so many of these school systems of pay is not fantastic but people want to desperate you know the teachers who teach they're great usually right um and uh, but they're scared away by stuff like this <laughs> who can blame it's, them i we have so many teachers in this in the audience and so many i would love to hear from some teachers and some educators, finally, let me ask you about this. We had the sound of this earlier. You followed, I was sure, what happened down in Philadelphia this week with the, uh, I call it the Loot Olympics. <laughs> this, this. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Loot. That's a great way. Yeah, that's, it was the Loot Olympics, yeah. <laughs> and they, I think they won. They all got the gold medal. <laughs> they all got the <laughs> They all got <laughs> And now you had little Meatball, the one that was instigating it, uh, one of the instigators. She's now said that she, her grandmother actually spoke up and said how ashamed she was to see her granddaughter involved. And Meatball now has been traumatized by spending a night in jail for uh, the felony looting and says she's never going to loot again. It is just distressing. And one of the things I, I <laughs> how. We have the clip. We we have the clip of uh of little meatball during the uh during the event, right, Nick? Because we played the clip. This is during the event. The social media influencer accused of instigating some of Tuesday night's looting was back at home to today. The woman known as Meatball was bailed out by her mom early this morning. NBC Ten investigative reporter Claudia Vargas caught up with her today. Claudia, what'd she have to say? Well, Deja Blackwell, also known as Meatball, says she never wants to go back to jail. Blackwell is one of the people arrested for only She has garnered attention in the last 48 hours because of her social media live stream. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. As chaos unfolded across the city, Deja Blackwell was live streaming much of it to her more than 180,000 followers. What's that? posting in Center City and other parts of the city up until her arrest Tuesday evening. Police and the district attorney's office say Blackwell was encouraging others to engage in looting and other criminal activity. Blackwell was charged with burglary, conspiring, and rioting, among other felony charges. The 21-year-old was released on $25,000 bail early this morning. We went to Blackwell's home today after she agreed for us to meet her there. Our attempts to speak with her about her actions Tuesday night and what's happened since then were cut short by her mom. Blackwell's mom did not want her speaking with reporters. But the woman known as Meatball did have something to say before going back inside her home. 
do you have a message for people? I just prefer, you know, never loot again, stay out of trouble, and never go to jail. So you regret what happened? I regret. <sighs> no. <laughs> I love that meatball. How great is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, you, you know that whole thing was so crazy you know like it was uh, would you have a hundred kids involved something like that i mean about that yeah and that they well look they went for the high-end stuff i mean who can afford a pair of uh, lululemon yoga pants so they, they were they cleaned out lululemon and then of course apple watches they're expensive and they went there afterwards and then they went for the sneakers so uh <laughs> Uh, and thankfully, uh, they they seem to have arrested most of these guys, right? I think in the end they got, they arrested they about everybody. I think yeah they caught about thirty something already, and there was a line above them. And it's just sad to me. It's sad. It's sad when you see the lineup. Um, I'm going to talk about. I've talked about the racial component in it. It is distressing to me to see so many black kids, mostly black kids. There were maybe one or two that were not. It's distressing to see that this is the culture. That has it's not just in Philadelphia. It's the culture you see these uh, these robberies that have taken place in San Francisco, these uh, smash and grabs that are, are happening. And, and Noam, we have got to somehow or another change the culture in this country. We we have to. This is just it, it cannot continue to go on like this. The result is that many of these retailers, these already they are closing up shops in a lot of these neighborhoods. They're saying enough. We're not going to put. We're not putting our our uh, work staff through this, and we're not going to have these unsafe environments, and we're not going to continue to lose inventory. So what's going to end up happening is these very neighborhoods that where these things are happening are going to end up suffering. It's just it it it's unsustainable to use a word. Yeah, well, look at this Target store in East Harlem that's going to close in a couple of weeks. Yep. This was yep. a huge boon to that neighborhood because you had to go pretty far to find shopping. And if you go to Bodega, it's always a whole lot more expensive there. And here was Target that was selling all these items at a at a reasonable price. And now it's going to go away, which is just terrible for that neighborhood. Yeah, something's, something's got to change. Norm, thank you so much as always. Always such a pleasure to have you. Right back at you, James. Thanks. Norm Layden, ladies and gentlemen, news director of WABC News. We love talking with an extended version of WABC News during our second hour here. And Norm is just amazing. Coming back, ladies and gentlemen, your calls are coming up. We've got a lot more news later on today. Princess Di will join us. Keep it right here on WABC. Marilyn McCoo has her birthday. Marilyn McCoo and her husband Billy Davis Jr. had this one in 1977. You don't have to be a star. They were also members of the Fifth Dimension. And you will remember her voice on such things as Wedding wedding Bell Blues, One Let's Bell to Answer, Aquarius. Happy birthday to Marilyn McCoo from WABC Talk Radio 77, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77. Dimension on WABC Talk Radio 77. Marilyn McCoo's birthday today. Let's take some telephone calls, shall we, in this age of golden. <laughs> oh, let us start with Jimmy in Staten Island. Jimmy, welcome you on WABC. How are you? Good morning, handsome. How are you? You know, I always wondered what you looked like, and I'm like a moron. I don't know how to go on and do these uh, tapes and, you know, Google and all that. And I was that you on a commercial with a beautiful white hat and your hair done so nice talking? Was yeah, that, that was me. That was me. I almost passed out. I said, that's him. I know the voice. Woo, got it from the voice. Yeah. I'm happy to see that mug. God bless you. Listen, I need to say just a couple of things. If you'd let me, I'd be nice. This Mayor Adams, God forgive me, I don't care who and what he looks like, but I know he's an imbecile. Um, he reminds <laughs> me of the other guy. Um, what was it, Cory Booker, when everybody was drowning and he locked up all the buses in the uh in No, the that was, that was, oh, my goodness, that was the mayor of uh, New Orleans, not Booker. That was the mayor of New Orleans. I, w- I will get his name. It just escapes me for the moment. Go ahead. His name, he ain't worth it. And besides this Adams, I don't know. I've been at all the rallies with Curtis Lewa. I've been at Gracie Mansion and all this. We, we won pretty much on Staten Island, you know. And I just don't understand now something that's unconstitutional isn't in the books. This guy wants to go challenge it. I don't, I don't understand. How could you challenge, Bo, something that's not there? Wow. Well, here's what I don't understand. I don't understand how may, how this mayor can do what he did with this city in terms of his immigration stance, um, number one. I don't understand why the infrastructure, after all these billions of dollars we hear, especially remember the Democrats spent $2 trillion on infrastructure. Why is it that New York is still getting flooded out? Why is it that criminals are allowed to roam in New York? You could, We could go on with a list, but yet if you dare ask this mayor a question, he will come at you, I demand respect, I demand respect, and, and the rest of this nonsense. People are going to ask hard questions when it's time for him to run again, and he will probably run again. 
But um, but school bus. What was his name? School bus. Uh, I'm still trying to come up with the mayor of New Orleans. So, uh, but I'll figure that out. But this mayor has been an absolute disaster in so many ways, Jimmy. I hear you, and thank you so much for the call and your kind words. Sal in Staten Island, you're up next on WABC. Norton. Uh, Sal, you're up next. And what I have to say is, first of all, B, G, and N, God bless ye. And please congratulate uh, Noam for his award. He deserved it. He's always in the field. Now I'm going to hit you with some bombshells. Um, That poor baby in the Bronx, God rest his soul. Those three animals should be... Uh, they're being prosecuted federally. They, they, they should get the death penalty. What they did was just from the pit of hell, and that's where they belong. And I also want to say, this is not a coincidence, Bo. Here in the South Shore of Staten Island, that these uh, illegal invaders are there being treated great, while American veterans are out in the elements. And not only that, they're getting vouchers for the Salvation Army from uh, Eric Adams and from Catholic Charities on Staten Island. And yet for 13 weeks, I've been calling to get vouchers for American veterans in the same clothes that are rags now for 13 months. It's not a coincidence that they're in the South Shore of Staten Island, the drug capital of the world, Bo. And I do believe a lot of them are sleepers. They're from countries and governments who hate our guts. They're unvetted. And on bottom line, we'll end this on a positive, two positive notes. Just three, last week was uh, Tommy Sands, a rock and roll. I know you love the rock and rollers. He's 87, God bless him, an Air Force veteran. And on a positive note, remember, all day, uh, six weeks from today, November 11th, American Veterans Day, the chain restaurants, majority of them, offer a complimentary meal from Olive Garden to Applebee's to Red Lobster to Ruby Tuesdays all day long on Veterans Day for American veterans. Sadly, it's the only time most American veterans can afford to dine in the restaurants. Please. I wouldn't say that that's the – come on now, wait a minute. That is not the only time that most American veterans can afford to dine in restaurants. Let's not overstate it. That does not take away from the fact that we are not doing enough for American veterans. And by the way, uh, Sal, one of the things that came out that's very distressing, it's not just the veterans. It's our active duty military. There was a report that was released this week about the house last week about the housing conditions that our active duty military are forced to live in complete with moldy interiors, places that you wouldn't put your worst enemy in. And what we got from the VA is, oh, we're going to do, we're going to do better. We're going to do better. And we keep hearing this. We hear this from the VA all the time about how they're going to do better. And I don't believe we're sending money over to as much money as we are to Ukraine. And by the way, don't take that as a position. I'm just saying I can't believe we're spending, sending that much money over there. And at the same time, We have American soldiers in our military who are living in rat-infested, mold-infested quarters. How does that make sense to anybody? Sal, love you, buddy, and I love your commitment to American veterans. God bless you, my friend. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We are going to get up out of our seats right now. Oh. Oh, man, that hurts. Yeah, we're all up. We're all stretching. It is time for our morning dance. 
on WABC Talk Radio 77, the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. You want to be part of the program? You can dance with us right now as we're up and moving and grooving, and you can give us a call, 800-848-WABC as we swing to the music of Spiral Gyra. The Morning Dance on WABC. Coming back with you, your phone calls, and more right after this. Later on, Princess Di joins us. Can't wait. Snurdly on 77 WABC. 1947. Mark Feld, known as Mark Bolin, English guitarist, singer, songwriter, best known as the lead singer for T Rex, was born. Tragically killed in a car accident in 1977. He was only 29 years old. He was killed a fortnight before his 30th birthday. I can't wait. I'm going to finally get to the bottom of this fortnight business when Diana comes on. I'll ask her what. I mean, this is one of those things. It's like, I don't understand. I must admit, I love British literature. I love watching. I'm one of those Americans that has acorn, right? I watch British TV. I watch all the detective stuff on British TV. But there are some things I just have never and I am lazy. I know I'm lazy. Like I've been reading Fortnite all my life. I've been reading the Fortnite, Fortnite. It's like when they talk about weight and they say it's a stone. It's like, what the hell is a stone? He weighs blah, blah, blah on a stone. What the, the, so I'm lazy. Uh, so I'm going to ask Diana these questions because she knows everything about language, you know? So yeah, don't tell me before. I want to hear her tell me. You know, but my dad's actually British, so he has what? he has all the answers. Your dad's a Brit, and I'm a, I'm a half Brit. I'm actually a dual citizen. You're a half Brit. That's correct. All this time, I did not know that you were a half Brit. Yeah, I was born there, and I uh, moved over to the states around 2004. You were born over there. Yeah, that's right. This is getting. Where were you born? And uh, it, it wasn't in London. It was in the countryside in a town called Gloucestershire. You were born in Gloucestershire. Yep. My word. And yeah, my dad is, uh, it's funny because you're talking, he's kind of like, you know, he's totally like Americanized. He, he's lived here for around 15, you know, 16 years now. So he's got his accent and he's still totally a Brit, watches his football and drinks tea like a real geezer. But he, uh, he's totally like into the American culture too. So he gets the best of both worlds. It's funny. Oh man, that's awesome. I didn't know you were a half Brit. Yeah. Well, we've got some, we're going to get back to your telephone calls in a few moments. I want to just run through a few stories while we have a moment here. Uh, maybe you haven't heard about this one. A Missouri high school teacher has been placed on leave after administrators found out she and her husband were running a pornographic OnlyFans page. The St. Clair School District lost an investigation into Brianna Coppage, 28 years old, over her scandalous side gig. She told the St. Louis uh, Post-Dispatch, it was kind of always like this cloud hanging over my head, like I never knew when I would be discovered. 
Then about two weeks ago, her husband and she were told that people were finding out about it, so she knew that this day was coming. She said that she, and she's an English teacher, I don't know whether she's half Brit or full Brit or no Brit, was motivated to launch her pornography account over the summer to bolster her measly educator's salary. She earns about $42,000. Her OnlyFans channel raked in between eight and ten grand a month. The district superintendent out there said in a statement that the district, you know, I have not been on OnlyFans. I must admit, Nick, I'm not going to ask you and get that smile off of your face. (laughs) I'm not going to ask you. But I have. People have shown me videos, tame videos, I might add, or relatively tame videos, and I was stunned that people are paying money for this. The videos that I saw that introduced me to what was some of what goes on on OnlyFans was cake sitting. What is cake sitting? Women in their thongs or whatever they choose to wear. And you don't, you never see the woman's face. You just see the back of the woman, the, the back and the derriere. And the woman, and, or at least we hope it's a woman because it looks like a woman and is dressed like a woman. These days, I suppose you don't know quite what, anyway, she sits her derriere on cake, and the cakes can be anywhere from a one-layer cake to a two-layer cake. They usually have lots of fluff or stuff on them, so that. And I'm like, and and when uh, when I was shown this, are people paying money to? Yes, people are paying large amounts of money to see a woman. At least we think it's a woman or various women sit there scantily clad bottoms on cakes. A Tennessee teacher charged with raping a 12-year-old student was rearrested this week after she was caught texting the victim, warning him that he would regret reporting her to the police. Alyssa McCommon. 38 years old, was taken into custody in her Covington home and later charged with aggravated stalking, harassment, and coercing just three weeks after she was busted on rape accusations, according to city police. The former fourth-grade educator had been released after posting $2,500 bond under the condition that she would cease any communication with the boy she's accused of raping in 2021, McCommon tried to skirt around parameters by lifting her skirt by, uh, by allegedly messaging the 12-year-old from a previously unknown phone number. She is the mother of two. She allegedly has admitted to a sexual encounter with the boy who was 12 years old during their text. Exchange. (sighs) This one from Fox News. One of two women who allegedly shoplifted 
from a California nail supply store returned to the business minutes later to demand her cell phone, which she says she dropped. The store owner offered to exchange her electronic device. She had uh, the, the, the she had not only dropped her phone, but her California driver's license and credit card inside the phone case for the stolen goods. You want your phone? Fine. Give me back the stuff you stole. Instead, instead, the suspect assaulted him a second time. She she assaulted him before she left the second time. So this is this is I was talking the other day about these geniuses we have now as criminals in this country. They are so well educated by our system, you see. They're just extremely well educated. They go to a nail shop, they this woman goes in the nail shop, she steals. There's a picture of her. Somewhere you can find it. There were two suspects actually. Because they were one of two women that that shoplifted, returned to the business and said, "Hey, you got my cell phone here? Fine, give me back the stuff you stole." No, I'll beat you up instead. And she leaves the phone with her credit card and her license inside. These are today's criminals. The alleged assault turned the theft in of about six hundred dollars in merchandise into a robbery charge. Which is, again, this is California. Had she merely left, didn't come back, even though they knew who she was because this woman left her cell phone and her identification, they wouldn't have been able to do anything to her because it was less than $600. And in California, you can steal. Go ahead and steal. It's up to $600. We don't care. Steal it. Just don't pass the $600 mark. But once she came back and assaulted the woman, now she gets a robbery charge. Once she assaulted the store owner, who suffered minor injuries after being thrown to the ground by one of these women, now this woman, her name is Kadriana, K-A-Y, it's like K and then Dri-Anna, Kadriana, Kadriana Hall. The other woman, the other thief's name is Sirandi or Sirandi Banks, 19. So after they left, they were contacted by the police, still sitting in the car outside of their home. Remember, this woman had left her ID there. So police show up. The stolen merchandise, plain sight in the vehicle. These kid criminals, like this bunch at the at the loot Olympics in Philadelphia. These people are just—they are stupid beyond belief. They are stupid. 
They are these. I mean, not even. It's like did they not pass third grade? Do they not have the intelligence of a twelve-year-old? Ah. Your telephone calls, but first I want to go to Dom in Minnesota. Dom, it's been quite a while since we've heard from you. How are you doing, Dom? Pretty good, sir. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I've been a teacher since the 90s, and I'm still teaching because I don't golf and I don't know how to retire. That's my problem. (laughs) But the profession has grown on me to the point that it became a passion. We did have an incident when I was teaching in Wisconsin in the 90s where we had a student waiting on the roof with a gun because the teacher gave him a failing grade. So we were all warned to stay away from school for that day. There was some discussion of whether the student was mentally unstable or not. We didn't determine that. Uh, But today, I'm still teaching, and I see students that feel entitled, disrespectful towards authority, and believe that less is not more. So in my experience, the only people that believe that less is more other veterans in my class missing an arm or a leg. Unfortunately, they feel so entitled that they want to come in, do very little to get the maximum benefit out of whatever it is that they're expecting. So, and, and you know, the, I, unfortunately, I see a lot of people that are uh, kids of single parents. And I'm not saying that's a positive or a negative. It is what it is. And It's a negative. Yeah. For the most part, there are certain parents that can make it a positive. But generally speaking, we know that that's one of the predictors of child poverty is just, and that's just, sorry, that's just a fact. Go ahead, Don. What were you saying? Yeah. And I think basically, um, you know, even though I love being in the classroom, unfortunately, because whenever I see a veteran that's sitting in the classroom, back of the class, whatever, sometimes, you know, they come back uh, from the war for the GI Bill. I've seen about 19 or 20 of them in like 30 years. They start, you know, calling me sir, sir. I think I say, you don't have to call me sir. And then the first time I said that, this guy said, no, that's the way I'm used to it. Please don't stop me from doing that because I feel I feel I, I, I have to do this. Unlike the students that are not from the So like Army people or, or farmers, kids, whatever, I can tell the difference by the first week that, you know, who their parents might be. So that's to the point where a parent in the house is very critical Let me ask you a question. How do we change this culture? You know, I'm just reading, and I'm laughing at it because I'm almost crying. These kids are so, these kids, these kid criminals, and they're everywhere. These smashing grabbers, you see them all over social media. They all like to think of themselves like this one woman. I'm an influencer. I've got 180,000 people to follow. Okay, you're an influencer. Have at it. What do you want to be, an influencer? And they're dumb as rocks. They are literally they on and I just the the ignorance level is so severe, and they don't they don't seem to have any moral compass at all. How do we change this culture, especially in America's underclass, Dom? How do you change it? Very simple. We need a mom that smacks them around and a dad that hugs them. That's what we need. <laughs> we need both the mom and the dad. I'm being I'm being facetious, but we need a mom that gets upset at the kid and says, I'm going to smack the crap out of you. And dad says, oh, come on, let him be. He's a kid or whatever. It's so if we, you take those roles with both the parents, I'm guessing most of all our problems will be taken care of in the school. 
So it, it happens way before they get to school, and that's the problem I'm seeing. Dom, thank you. It is so good to hear your voice. James Golden, a.k.a. Snerdy, here with you on WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza still to come today. Princess Di will join us. Birthday today, Sylvia Peterson from the Chiffons. You remember this one from 1963. It went number one. On WABC. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. This is David Bowie, the Young Americans, on WABC Talk Radio 77. The reason we're playing it isn't for David Bowie. It's for who's singing in the background. One of the voices in the background on this particular record is that of a Sissy Houston. American soul and gospel singer, Sissy Houston. Mother of Whitney Houston, has a birthday today. Member of the Sweet Inspirations, the Drinkard Singers with Dion Warwick. She was one of the backup singers who worked with Elvis, Aretha, Chaka, Luther, this one with David Bowie. Jimi Hendrix, Van Morrison, Beyonce, and so many others. And she had her own solo career. Sissy Houston celebrates her birthday born in 1933. On WABC, let's get back to the telephones. The Catskills we go, Chris, has been here patiently waiting. Chris, how are you? Thank you for being so patient. How are you this morning, Chris? Good morning, James. Uh, I'm doing all right. I saw a film last night that a friend of mine made at my town in the Catskills. I'm friends with a couple filmmakers. I'm actually uh, closer friends with his wife, who's also a filmmaker. He made a film about the artist Peter Bradley, who lived in New York City uh, for like 28 years from like 1961 to 1990. And he also moved to our town. And it is perhaps the, from a certain perspective, it's the most well-produced, best documentary I've ever seen. Peter Bradley was a black artist that grew up in a suburb of Pittsburgh. He was in Detroit for a year or so and ended up in the early 60s in Manhattan. And he uh, became, he was, he's an impressionist artist and he worked at the Guggenheim. He worked at another very prestigious art gallery and he had no filter. He um, 
you know, encountered different elements of racism, but he also didn't like being used or his color to try and promote certain entities. He was offered um, scholarships at prestigious art schools um, because of his um, ethnic racial background in Detroit. He was offered, uh, ended up dropping out of school because he didn't uh, agree with the art professors. He was offered a scholarship full ride to Yale University Art School in his mid-20s, and he didn't last more than a year. Uh, the admissions director, head of the art program, basically told him he didn't think he could draw but that he wanted him to travel to all 50 states to try and get black students to come to Yale's art program. And he essentially told the man, F you, and he quit the school. Um, cutting to the chase of the end of the film, he's been living in upstate New York with his third wife, and he's been financially struggling, having some health issues. And he was never really fully appreciated for the art he did, but he continued to make artwork and just through uh, certain circumstances, small town people bumping into one another, my friend end ended up making a documentary film about him during when COVID was hitting. And it's just been recently released. It was at the Woodstock Film Festival last night. This man has sold probably millions of dollars worth of artwork because of this film. And he was able to build his own art studio on his property at age 81 due to the exposure he got from this film and the jazz Wonderful. what is the what is the name of the film please with peter bradley and it, there's a jazz soundtrack that is with the film because he was mr bradley was friends with a lot close friends with a lot of famous jazz musicians and the jazz soundtrack to With Peter Bradley is number three right now on the jazz contemporary charts in the United States. Love it. What a great story. First of all, for all the art lovers out here, and I happen to be one, and also for the musicians. So thank you for sharing that, Chris. And the, the name of the film, the name of the documentary again is With, With Peter, Peter Bradley. Bradley. All right. And I will look into Peter Bradley, and I'm sure many people will. Thank you for the heads up on that. Appreciate it. Since you mentioned documentaries, let me uh, mention there is a Wayne Shorter documentary that is on Netflix. It's called Zero Gravity. And man, oh man, oh man, if you are a lover of really great music, you would, I see it, oh my gosh, 79 years old, overlooked since the 70s, abstract painter, Peter Bradley reflects on his life shares his artistic process on the cusp of his rediscovery with Peter Bradley. Wow. Awesome. You know, by the way, one of these days, someone is going to make a documentary about the Hudson, the Hudson Valley music scene. There were so many great artists that came up from through New York's Hudson Valley. We're talking about everybody. You know, you know, some of the names, some of the folk artists that have come and that made New York, the region up in the Hudson Valley, a very special region for music. One day someone's going to do a documentary on that. That is would be too. But if you're looking for a great documentary, and it's not for everybody, maybe jazz, jazz folks would love it, but the, the documentary on Wayne Shorter is 
just mind-blowing. It's called Zero Gravity. I just saw that recently. Thank you again, Chris, for that call. Do appreciate it. Princess Di is coming up in a bit. I want to go to um, Pete in Garden City. Pete, welcome. You're on WABC. Thank you both. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, This might sound a little corny, but uh, I've been listening to you since probably your second Saturday morning show, and it's my first time calling you. Uh, you I don't know. I can't describe it. You have a very reassuring voice. I feel like listening, when I listen to it, like all is well with the world, and uh, the common sense Americans will wake up and turn this country around next year. Uh, But what I wanted to mention, two things, basically, Republicans are doing a terrible job at pointing out the real inflation rate uh, that's going on right now. And they've been drowned out by the Democrats saying that inflation is, quote, down. (laughs) It's $100 when Biden became president is worth about $62 now. And I think Republicans got to get on that uh, that theme, if you will. Uh, Pete, that's other... what we have time for before we go to the break. I'm sorry to have to cut you there. we got to get to news. But I love you. Thank you for waiting. And by the way, you have no idea how much that compliment means to me. That is what I used to say about Rush, and I used to tell him that, that millions of people waited for his voice every day at 12.06 to be reassured and to feel that no matter what was going on in the world, all was okay. And so you have no idea what you saying that about me, how that makes me feel. Thank you. Norm Layden, our news director. News par excellence. Coming up here on WABC. Keep it right here. Coming back. Third hour of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza continues. Welcome to our number trio. This is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. You are certainly welcome. If you are on hold, stay on hold. We're going to try to get to as many calls as we possibly can during this hour. Donald Trump did something that was extremely... Some of you are going to think this is mean. I saw the video of it. I could not help it. I burst out laughing. Donald Trump got big laughs last night at the California GOP fall convention. He mimicked a moment when President Joe Biden got confused when trying to find his way off stage. So he turns around and he's looking like totally confused, trying to figure out which way to go. The audience just burst out laughing. He also, while he was there, slammed a series of California's Democrat lawmakers and leaders claimed that rich people in Beverly Hills smell because of strict water laws that keep keep them from showering enough. He was speaking to about 1,500 attendees, munching on the remains of their lunch. He says, when California, while California was once a symbol of American success today, under the radical leftist fascist and Marxist that run your state, That's who's running your state, bad people. It's becoming a symbol of our nation's decline. 
Now, Donald Trump also said something else, and this will... I, uh, he said that if he were president again, the people savagely looting stores would be shot on sight. We will immediately stop all the pillaging and theft. Very simply, he said, if you rob a store, you can fully expect to be shot as you are leaving that store. Shot. The crowd erupted with chants of Trump, Trump, Trump. (laughs) Okay, at that moment, what we are going to do is this, because... One of the things that I want to do is have some time with James Golden and to speak with our princess. On that happy note, ladies and gentlemen, robbers will be shot on sight. Who can we turn to but our very own royalnessness? Our leader, our very own woman on the throne of policy, the one, the only, Princess Diana. <laughs> Welcome, Your Highness. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Sir James. <laughs> this is like off with your head stuff. This is this is serious. Off with the head. So you know, if you I rob a the whole speech, did you see you the did. whole speech? I didn't see the whole speech. I advise you to do it. It was Trump unleashed, and he was completely off script, and it was hilarious. I laughed my way through it. It was a wonderful thing. That particular comment you referenced, however, was scripted, and oh, it, it was yeah. Because he reiterated it, and the phrasing of it was pretty careful. And my reaction was, well, you know, that that's a shocking thing to hear. However, when I grew up, looters will be shot was a sort of a normal sentiment, you know, in in the back in the day. And you know, you remember how the heroic Koreans were at the rooftop. Defending their properties during, during the, the riot. riots. Yes, and the whole country was celebrating them. You know, it was one of those kind of consensus, to use a liberal word, at the time. Now that's no longer the case. So that when someone from goes old school, and it's almost like a voice from America's past, it sounds really jarring. But that was really sort of the consensus that you put your life at risk if you're stealing from somebody. Now I want to refer something that was on the Rush Limbaugh show many many years ago. Rush talked about Abraham Lincoln and what he did during the Civil War. And one of the things that he did, and I'll have to get the specifics, but he used the Insurrection Act, interestingly enough, 
And basically, one of the things that came out there was a series of riots and looting. And he said, these rioters, you will be shot on site. There's not going to be anything. You will be, you will. So this harkens back, as you just said, to earlier periods in America where it wasn't tolerated. If you were, if you were robbing, if you were involved in riots, you could expect to be shot. That was just the way it is. Exactly. And Trump also added that this whole phenomenon would stop within 24 hours. And he's right. I mean, this, mm. this lawlessness has been unleashed in America. And, you know, thanks in large part to Soros funded DAs who are basically just not prosecuting criminals and letting them back out deliberately. The no bail fad that liberals have where this is a deliberate undermining of American society. So in order to reverse that, you need a new sheriff in town. And we all know that old Hollywood theme. You get a new sheriff in town, and he doesn't tolerate that. And that's what we need in America, a new mindset. So I would advise, first of all, to put the entire speech on your list of must listening, because when Trump is off script, he is very original. You were talking about original thinking, very original and clear phrasing, regular English. And he used some bombs in that speech, which, of course, has the pearl clutchers clutching their pearls all across. was just refreshing and you know his his uh, defense for kind of going unleashed was he said you're california republicans you deserve a little entertainment with what you've had to put up here. <laughs> well speaking of entertainment what a brilliant segue your highness because you sent something to us and we loved it now here well i don't know whether we loved it or not but anyway you sent to us uh something from uh the state antony antony not Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Blinken. Anthony was performing. And uh, we uh, tell us about the performance, and then we'll play some for our audience. Well, the Biden Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, took a little time off from bringing, you know, uh, pallets of cash to Kiev in Ukraine. And he was center stage in Washington, uh, launching his global music diplomacy initiative. And he wants to create a music ecosystem all over the world where he basically, you know, continues John Kerry, the uh, uh, Obama secretary of state, that tradition, where he brought James Taylor to Paris to sing You've Got a Friend. So liberals tend to get music. That was one of the most pukey, that was one of the most pukey moments in presidential history. Just gag me with a spoon. It totally was. And I find this similarly because Anthony Blinken was center stage to launch this music diplomacy initiative. And he started playing in culturally appropriating Muddy Waters. Total cringe. Mm hmm. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken singing the blues. Don't be a man child coming. 
Complete with ebonic interpretation. that because it was a, a little bit My of a name long story. Is Anthony. <laughs> I'm pretending <laughs> I'm black. If yes, you don't like my singing, it was so embarrassing. You got to so get sad. back. I'm a hoochie coochie. I'm what in the f- I know. Go ahead. So so listen to this. This is why I, I was interested in it, because uh, Biden is sending Herbie Hancock to Saudi Arabia as part of this, uh, creating a an economy of creativity using music. The Philadelphia Orchestra is going to China. U.S. rappers are going to Nigeria. And I, I read that. F- Thank you. I immediately was like, oh, we're, you know, sharing American culture. Fine. You know, do it. You know, it'll keep Lincoln, but busy. But to send, how racist is that where you're sending other, you know, people to important countries in diplomatic diplomatic, uh, hierarchy, and you're sending American rappers where? To Nigeria. And that was to the land of the scam. Two days after Biden had referred to the rapper LL Cool J as that boy, as a boy, as that boy, that boy. So that's how Biden apparently sees rappers as, you know, send them back to Africa. Good Lord. Thank goodness. One pack is not around to see this because he would be highly disturbed. So I just wanted to bring that now. Biden, as you know, has a lot of history of racist Thank you. And, you know, in February, he was uh, at an, a meeting with the new Maryland governor, Wes Moore, who's African-American. And, he, and Biden said he's the real deal. The boy looked like he he's could a, still play. He's got some guns on him. Right. So this is a common. He called him a boy, too. Yes, he did. And he. this is a common theme with Biden is racist comments. And so this this little Secretary of State story, I think, gave an opportunity to shine a light on that. It is condescending. It is something that that Biden should be roundly criticized for. And unfortunately, no one really noticed it. And I just was glad that I could, you know, mention it to you. Yeah, I want to, you know, shoot, I want to be sent somewhere. Okay, you pick. I do. Where I, do you go? <laughs> I, I don't know. I got to. You got to. We got to find the right place. Since we're going to do this, I want to be sent somewhere too. With sending people around the world for music, I'm going to go somewhere. So I can yeah. sing "Hoochie Coochie Man." <laughs> just, I mean, these people. They just okay. Listen, we got to take a break. When we come back. When we come back, I want to talk to you about a few things. We have to talk about, number one, your take on the debates. 
We have to talk about this business with, oh, die five. We have to talk about, um, uh, what else? Oh, oh, how could I forget? The shutdown is imminent. Tonight, we're shutting everything down. Oh, no. People are in mortal, mortal, mortal fear. Their government is going to shut down tonight. Oh, we're coming dear. back with Princess Die. Herbie Hancock takes us in. This is from the uh, album. What was the name of this album? This was this is Chameleon. I know this is. I'm trying to remember. This is Headhunters. This is the Headhunters album. Herbie Hancock had so many albums. I have a picture with Herbie Hancock when he was like in his like twenties or thirties, and I was like a kid. Yes, I'm saying I was like I was like. I'm trying to sound hip like California, like, you know, I was like a kid. But this is, uh, this was one of my all-time favorites and still is. And this song went to number one, believe it or not, instrumental, jazz instrumental. Went to number one on the R&B charts, Chameleon, Herbie Hancock, on WABC. Talk Radio 77, coming back with Princess Die right after this. Don't go away. That's one pack on WABC. I'm start, you know, okay, it's two pack. Well, one of his and somebody's been arrested. And boy, oh boy, Jada Pickett Smith is out. She's um saying she hopes for closure. One pack was one of her friends. And uh yeah, so this guy's been arrested for shooting two pack and yeah, there you go. Thank you. I did the story. Okay? People are asking, you gonna talk about two pack? Yeah, I just did. Thank you. We're done. Um Diane oh, Lisa, thank you. Lisa just texted me, Diana. She said, Yeah, they're gonna send you to North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what <laughs> on music music exchange program. Uh, Herbie Hancock gets to go to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> They're gonna send the rappers to Nigeria, and they send me to North Korea. There you go. Okay, Diana, uh, we're all scared. The shutdown is gonna happen tonight. The hard ring. The oh, the headlines, Diana. The headlines. The headlines. <laughs> Congress begins to admit it's running out of time to avoid a government shutdown. There's an article. There's a, Diana, this one, this one, this one. You got to hear this, okay? Okay. There's a woman that writes for the Washington Post. Her name is Alexandra Petri. She says she's having a government shutdown nightmare again. It happened. It happened. (laughs) 
She said she had it a few months ago, but this one's worse than before. <laughs> it's <laughs> you're lying on an operating table. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is your surgeon. I can save you, McCarthy says. I know how. But that is going to upset members of the Freedom Caucus. Instead of saving you, they want me to insert this bonus liver. I'm going to try as a gesture of good faith to them. He nods to his nurse, lifts the liver from the neighboring tray, and you feel yourself going under. When you next open your eyes, you're on an airplane. Kevin McCartney's, Kevin McCarthy's voice comes over the intercom. Hello, this is your pilot speaking. I'd love to land this plane safely. I know how, but if I do that, Matt Getz will threaten my job. Instead, he wants to try to fly me into the sun. And to that, I said, this is in the oh, Washington Post. Goodness. This is, um, this is in the Washington Post. People <laughs> are certifiable. You know, that should be right there in the symptom list of mental illness. If you suddenly have images of McCarthy dealing with your liver, it's just like, you get to a, get to a psychologist right away. It's so crazy. <laughs> yes, All right, Diana, walk us through. Clean water. I think that was another thing I saw in passing that the, the clean water will be no more as the government shuts down. Yeah, that. Yeah, okay. That's uh, let me find. I got that story. I do. I have. I have it. Oh, also, less enforcement of clean air and water protections, closure of national parks, other public <laughs> lands, interruption of some environmental cleanups, delays in new federal rules. Oh no, we're going to delay federal rules. Oh, no. How will we live? <laughs> they believe it. The they rules are going to be. <laughs> they really do think that this is their lifeblood. This is oxygen. You know, the Congress operating as corruptly as usual. And I think really that is what the problem is, that, you know, you had a little window into how, how it's normally functional. They're talking about how dysfunctional Congress is. Well, it's worse when it's functional. And you got Robert Menendez and his gold bars, which is a, just a glimpse into what really goes on when the government is open. So you're not you're not afraid. You're not afraid of the government shutdown that's gonna happen. Who's gonna get blamed for the government shutdown? Is it gonna impact twenty four twenty twenty four? And are we go all gonna die because the government might shut down for a little while? Well, we all know who've been around a while that this has happened multiple times, and it never has any impact on anything. The establishment, especially the establishment Republicans, believe they are going to get blamed, and that is 100% their entire focus. Oh, we're going to get blamed. Oh, don't blame us. Oh, we can't have this. We can't. We can't play negotiating. Uh, you know, the strength because we're going to get blamed. And it turns out, I saw a CNN survey, and I can't believe they actually ran it, where the public says it's mostly the Biden administration and the Democrat Party who are at fault. It was 39 versus 33 percent who would blame Republicans. Now, of course, the media hasn't really gone full bore. And by the end of this little event, it will be, of course, the Republicans' fault. But, you know, it's a very minimal on people's radar because it doesn't impact anything in real life. I mean, they try and come up with these things and they, you know, deliberately shut down things that matter to people. You remember when Obama shut down the VA events? 
the bus tours coming into Washington, D.C. from World War II veterans, he shut those those yes. guys down because that he wanted to hurt people. He wanted to show that the government was necessary and let's show something painful. So they'll come up with a few things that will get all the attention. But in general, this isn't going to impact anybody, and it's not going to impact the election overall. That's my prediction. Okay. Now, talk to us for a moment. Robert Kennedy says, I'm going independent. What does that mean? That is so interesting. I have been telling you this guy is going to kick over the table if he goes independent. And he is going to. I mean, it is funny. He's announcing he's going to announce October 9th that he's going to form an independent race. But the the thing that's interesting about it is the Democrats can't control him. They were playing all kinds of games, as I mentioned before, where they weren't going to allow his votes in the primaries to count in the early states. If he campaigned in New Hampshire, they, the Democrats were going to give his votes to Biden because they want South Carolina to be the first in the nation state. And, and so that was going to be embarrassing to Biden if Kennedy won the Democrat primary in New Hampshire, which wasn't sanctioned. So they were basically playing all the games that they could to make his votes not count. And he finally had had enough. He cried uncle. He said, okay, you're, you're going to force me to go independent. And now the DNC has no say whatsoever on where he campaigns and what states he's in. So it, it totally interrupts their fraud plans for the general, and it interrupts their control of the primary. So I think that, you know, who is, that's going to be the next polling question. Who does Kennedy take votes more, more from, Trump or Biden or whatever Democrat it ends up being the nominee? So that is, but no one knows. And that is so unusual. Usually these, these things are scripted. All the political world has all these scripts. It's, you know, it's all for show. But we have a shutdown that they aren't controlling, and we have a Kennedy um, possible candidacy in the independent party they're not controlling. So it's going to be absolutely unpredictable going forward, which is good, which is wonderful. All right. Lastly, on the issues, you have more and more converts to your ridiculous notion that it's going to be Michelle Obama. You roped Ted Cruz in. You've roped Sarah Palin in. There are others. They're all saying, and I see it every day, there are more piling on here. You started this. <laughs> Meanwhile, Michelle was over in Paris with bare-chested Tom Hanks. They're all diving around in some swimming pool. And I sent you the story because I'm telling you, I'm telling you again. And I want you, I want you to, when you finally have to acknowledge that I was right about this, I want a full-fledged no holds barred, James, you were right, and you were right from the beginning. Apology. I'll be happy to do that, and I do not need to prepare any script for that because it's never going to happen. But if it were to happen, I will be happy to acknowledge that I was wrong. But I want to remind you, one of the things in that piece I wrote over a year ago <laughs> was the way the Obamas operate where with how they did it in Chicago. They clear the field. And I noted at the time that they cleared the Democrat field by getting rid of Andrew Cuomo. 
as governor. He had a power base. He had enthusiasm. He would have been a really a great candidate for the Democrat side. They got rid of him by using the death in the um, nursing homes and then his one-two punch, his sexual peccadilloes. And do you remember who did that? Uh, um, no, who did it? Letitia James. <gasps> oh, that's Letitia right. James was tasked with clearing the field and she got rid of the one competitor in the Democrat side with this one, two punch, which ne- Democrats never do. They never attack their own. They never care about sexual peccadilloes. And she used both against this competitor. She cleared the field. And it's a really familiar name now because she's also doing her due diligence as a member of the field clearing team to try to do the same to the general. And that is why she was tasked with doing what she's doing to Donald Trump. It won't work. But I do think that is a data point you have to consider. Okay. Yeah, I'm considering it. Mm -hmm. Michelle is not giving up the high life. She will never give up the high life to go in the White House. Period. And that's just, to me, it's just one, two. She she hated being there in the... I agree she'll not give it up. Why do you say she would have to? She can live her own life however she wants. Joe Biden has already demonstrated that you don't have to be presidential. You can show up and read a few cards or, you know, some kind of ceremonial thing. And then you can go and be, you know, with bare chested Tom Hanks uh, if you want. And so I don't see why your argument holds water because she can live her life as she wants. The media will cover her. No, she can't. And she doesn't want to be as hated. She doesn't want to be any. Look, you already got Michelle Obama has already been subjected to some very ugly things on mass. media. she doesn't like that. Michelle likes to be loved. She's not going to go along with this whole presidency and have have the country treating her like they treat Trump or half the country because the others will just. I don't think she cares what people think. As long as she can enjoy herself, and that is guaranteed enjoyment for the rest of her life. What Name your price is what she's being told by the Democrat leadership and the money people and Soros, who, by the way, the Soros news shadowy money uh, uh, group, Democracy Alliance, is also clearing the field for money. And the way the press is reporting it is on Biden's behalf. But I posit to you that it's on Michelle's behalf. They are controlling who who donates to who and where the money goes. And the money is where you follow. Well, that happy note, we will leave it with Princess Di for this week. Your Majesty, as always, thank you for your crystal clear analysis. Uh, and uh, we will uh, – I can't wait till you apologize to me for being wrong about this Michelle Obama thing. And if you're right, I'm going to blame you for the rest of creation anyway, so it doesn't matter. And uh, like that. <laughs> your Majesty. Determined. <laughs> thank you, Your Majesty, and thank you for giving us Anthony Blinken singing Hoochie Coochie. It will remain a highlight of my life, my musical life from now on. Thank you, yes, Your Majesty. Thank you, thank you, Sir James. <laughs> Coming back, ladies and gentlemen, your phone calls here on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. I'm putting the stacks. I'm putting the stacks of news stories to the side right now because the rest of the show I want to spend with you on the phones 
and we will do just that when we return. Do not go away. Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza continues. On 77 WABC. All right, half Brit, who's this? We got Donovan with Season of the Witch. Oh, thank you. So many different people to be. That it's strange. Donovan made his U.S. television debut on Shindig on this day in 1965. He was on the show Shindig with the Hollies, the Turtles, and the Dave Clark Five. I have some of Donovan's early albums in vinyl. Donovan was hot for a while. All right, let's get to the telephones. William and Yonkers. I was going to ask Princess Di, but you called in, so I, I said, okay, I'll ask you. All right, explain this fortnight business to me. What the heck is a fortnight? Fourteen nights, two weeks. Okay, the lines has, I got it. A fortnight, 14 nights, he said. 14 nights is two weeks before. Why don't they just say two weeks? Same number of syllables, fortnight, two weeks. Two weeks before. Actually, actually it's more syllables because you have to say a fortnight before. Three syllables. Two weeks before. Thank you, William. Now someone's going to explain this whole weight thing and stone. What's a stone? How do you measure a stone? Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Let us go to Stanhope and Andrew. Andrew, how are you this morning? It's good. Uh, New Orleans will remain a chocolate city. Ray Nagin, that was him. School bus That's corner. right, school bus Nagin. And I yep. had to look it up too. I admit I forgot. And uh, but it's funny because I actually have to give CNN credit because they reported it honestly. But Wikipedia didn't this this Chocolate City. Wikipedia said that people were mocking him, making racist comments about his speech on Martin Luther King Day. Said Chocolate City, but it's the opposite. He came up with that phrase. So actually well, actually, he did not come up with that phrase because for long before Hurricane Katrina, uh, many of us were referring to Washington, D.C. That was what the nickname was for Washington, D.C., Chocolate City. And that's what we used to oh, call wow. Washington, D.C. But anyway, and, uh, yeah, but yeah, school bus Nagin. And the, um, with the, as far as you were saying with um, Tom Hanks and Obama, but I want to say Obama, you had said, well, the out-of-wedlock birth rate in the black community was there before him. But my point is he supports the policies that cause that, so he contradicts himself when he would give speeches about, you know, having a two parents in the home. So I always liken that to the guy who would uh, say how bad smoking cigarettes is but yet work for the tobacco company, where you as an African-American man are not guilty because you're not supporting the policies and Adam from Mineola is like in between because he's coming over to Trump's policies, which cause economic growth and not government dependency. So that was my point that Obama is guilty 
And I was furious when I heard him say those things where other conservatives like it, because I know that he supports big government that causes out of wedlock birth rate and dependency on the government. And real quick, can I say something about art? I didn't like uh, you sounded like a white liberal professor that I had <laughs> when you were saying that the migrants, that their art is good, which I agree, but it's irrelevant. They're good people, most of the immigrants, and they have family values, the work ethic, and religious beliefs. So their art is irrelevant if they have good art or no art or bad art. It's the type of people that they are that makes them good people. I never said anything to the contrary than them not being good people, but allow me to acknowledge art because art is important. Art is a cultural, the, the idea of art, the creation of art, and this is one of the things that I cannot stand about the way that um, that in American school systems, what are the first things to go? The first things to go are art programs. The, f- the next thing to go is uh, music programs and all the rest of that. Listen, if you are engaged in art, you are engaged in the higher ideals of what is possible. True artists and the promotion of art are not some just little uh, uh, a minor subject that should just be dismissed. In order to become a good artist, in order to become a good artist, whether it's in music, whether it's in art, these things are directly related to how civilized a culture is. And the appreciation, which is why the appreciation of good art stands the test of time through centuries. It is, it is not inconsequential. And for me to notice the art coming in from, from certain communities, hey, I'm going to stay with that. You know, and I'm not saying because of the art, it diminishes any other aspect of that culture at all. One of the things that is troubling today is we have generations of kids who are stupid, who are not, you, you look at what's going on in Baltimore right now where they're not even proficient in math. You can't even, you can't, so they're not proficient in academics. They have no moral compass because heaven forbid Somebody teaches them morals either at home or at school. They have no appreciation for art whatsoever. And what are you left with? What are you left with with people? Goodness me. No, no, no. We disagree on that. Sandra in New Jersey, you're on with Bo Snurley. How are you, Sandra? (laughs) Oh, very well, thank you. And I love you and everything like that. But I have two questions, a comment and a question on Robert F. K., uh, Princess Di coveted pretty well, but my question now is, if he's an independent going forward, does he have a greater chance to join Donald, Donald Trump at the very end if it doesn't work out for him? That was wrong question. And then I wanted to talk about Diane Feinstein. May she rest in peace. She accomplished a lot in her life. But, you know, if you listen to CNN, they gave her a very great tribute. I'm not saying that the other side didn't, but what I can't forget is how brutal she was to Judge Kavanaugh. And to me, that put a little blemish on her resume. Um, she was very mean to him when he was uh, undergoing that terrible time. She ripped him apart. She uh, even went to uh, the FBI to, I don't know, she was mean. So I just wanted to share Diane that. Feinstein is a liberal, and liberals, I, I hearken back to what Rush says. You will hear me say it often. One of the things that Rush said over and over again to us over the years was liberals are liberals first. They put.
ahead of everything else. They put it ahead of religious teachings. They put it ahead of anything else when it comes to politics and their worldview. Liberals are liberals first. Diane Feinstein has been a liberal her entire political career, in spite of the fact that she packed a weapon for her own personal safety. After, of course, I mentioned this the other day, the assassination of Harvey Milk in San Francisco, which thrust her into the limelight and propelled her political career. She was still a liberal. And I mentioned the other day, Kavanaugh, now what I also mentioned are some of the obnoxious, rude, hateful things that are being said about her on social media. And I wish people would give that kind of stuff a break, the jokes and all that stuff. Let let them bury their, let the family bury her first or whatever they're going to do before. It's, it's just, but talking about her record in an honest way, nothing, nothing wrong with that. She has a, a record. And we should talk about her record. And Kavanaugh and what she attempted to do to Justice Kavanaugh was part of her record. And was a disgraceful part of her record. James Golden, a.k.a. And you got that point. Absolutely right. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Coming back. More of your calls coming up right after this. We started off the show with an acknowledgement that today is the day that Marv Tarplin left us. Here's one of his with Marvin Gaye. He worked with Marvin. He worked with the Marvelettes. He worked with Supremes. Co-wrote the Tracks of My Tears with the Miracles. He was their guitarist on WABC. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Ah, one of my favorites, Steely Dan from the Asia album, This Is Peg, on WABC Talk Radio 77, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Remember, tomorrow, Cats Roundtable, 9 to 10 a.m., 42nd President of the United States, Bill Clinton, joins John Katsimatidis, exclusive interview. Must listen. Let's head back to the telephones. Kenny and Yonkers, you're up next. Thank you for waiting. How are you, Kenny? Okay, uh, Teddy. Uh, Bo, uh, good morning. Oh, it's Teddy. Yeah. Hey, Teddy, how are you? Okay, Bo. Bo, I think you're a brilliant guy but I disagree with you 95% of the time. Let me just tell you a couple of things about Mr. Trump, okay? He inherited a good economy in 2017. No, he didn't. For more than seven years. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Obama. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. In fact, you know, know, Teddy, stop right here. Do 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 you remember Obama saying this because so many jobs had left American shores? Do you remember Obama telling us? and I certainly do, that the jobs were never coming back. And then he ragged President Trump, and he said, 
Well, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Is he going to wave a magic wand? Is he going to magic wave a magic wand and bring the jobs back? Do you remember Obama saying that about Donald Trump, Teddy? I can't remember the exact quotations that he says. We're talking years ago. I, you can't expect Yeah, but it was something like that, right, Teddy? Perhaps. I'll take your word that he said it. I'm and then, And then Donald Trump brought the jobs back. By lowering the corporate tax and by lessening regulations, and our economy went through the roof. And the numbers are there. I, look, Teddy, I don't have to lie about it. All you have to do is just go look at the before and after numbers. Okay. Do you remember? Do you remember during the Obama years that we didn't even have enough ammunition for our troops in the military? Things had gotten so bad. Do you remember that, Teddy? Yes. Mm, okay. Okay, but just, uh, just saying. What do you? What I think he should be charged for treason. He said who? That who? Trump, because he said who, Obama? that really, It's too late. We can't. We can't charge Obama for treason now. He, he's gone. Maybe we could though. Go ahead. Because he, what? Charged for treason, and that's warrants death. Come on, man. How many times do you want me to find things about your man Donald Trump? He's an every he's day. Man, he's charged with 91 counts. He should go oh, to so jail. what? He's charged with 91 counts from bogus persecutions from Democrat political hacks. This is what third world nations do, Teddy. I mean, come on. You could go down and look at Venezuela under Hugo Chavez and see what they did to their political opponents. And the Democrats are trying to do the same thing to Donald Trump now. Come on, Teddy. You are smarter than that. You've read history in the world. You know how this works in third world banana republics when they want to attack the other class and take over a country. You've read about this. You've seen this in documentaries. Right, Teddy? Yeah, let me give a message to Dom. I taught 40 years in New York City High School. Okay, hey, Dom, you got to wake up and smell the coffee, man. I don't know what you teach in your class and spread wild ideas about the Democrats. Bo, finally, I'm a Democrat with sanity. I'm like Ed Koch. I'm moderation, okay? I don't care for the far left at all, at all, but I don't care. Hey, Ted, what did, you t- what, did, what, what did you teach? And, and what did you teach in school? Mathematics. Oh, you didn't teach history. Too bad. Listen, do you remember, can we talk about some Democrats in history? Can we talk about Woodrow Wilson, for instance? Do you know a lot about Woodrow Wilson? Some things. Do you remember that he's the one that shut all black people out? He played that Ku Klux Klan movie in the house, in the White House, and he's the one that, from the White House, started the attack on black people that became Jim Crow. Do you remember that about Democrat Woodrow Wilson? Yes, I do. And it's, and it's horrible. It's, it's, do you remember Democrat Franklin Delano Roosevelt put Asian Americans in our version of concentration camps? Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Do you remember that Lyndon Baines Johnson came in with this great society thing and basically it just told black people that they were victims and here's your welfare, and after that the number of single-parent households exploded across America, and um, any gains that, do you you remember anything about the Great Society and what that did to black families? I think the Great Society had very positive points, okay? Oh, what was it? It killed black families. What were the positive points? What are you saying, though? Because welfare uh, started... Because what it did was subsidize out-of-wedlock births and destroyed the fabric of the American family. That's what it did. Can we go back further and talk about Democrats during the time of Thomas Jefferson 
and what he said about black people. And by the way, I've read the complete works of Jefferson. And um, and then, well, at the same time, he was boinking the slave. Do you really want to know about um, uh, Democrats and their long history? By the way, who was, the, who was who was the party of slavery in the United States and the party of the Confederacy and the party of Jim Crow? Would that wouldn't that be the Democrat Party, Teddy? I understand where you're going, but you know what I mean? Oh, okay. You're playing with words. But I'm, I'm not playing with words. This is history. This is what actually happened, Teddy. Now, isn't it? Would be continuing uh, programs of that nature? Is that what They're you're doing it today. They're doing it now. What do you think when you see all these, oh, well, let's give them more food stamps. Let's pay off their loans. Let's do it. They're making victims out of people, Teddy, and they're using tax dollars to do it, Teddy. Now, Teddy, you love people. I know you do because you have a great heart, and I know that about you, Teddy. Teddy, you cannot you cannot tell me that these, these kind of programs, that you agree with them, can you, Teddy? I agree that some people need assistance, okay? We all agree with that, Teddy, but I'm telling you the overall impact on what it has done to to society. You cannot tell me that you agree with what it's done to our society, Teddy. Just like you can't tell me that all these liberal efforts to release these criminals back in the streets, to commit crimes and mayhem and rapes and murder, you don't agree with that, do you, Teddy? Not at all. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Teddy, here's my here's my real question for you, Teddy. After all the things that you said you agree with and you don't agree with, when are you just going to take the final step, Teddy, and go into the voters registration office and change your party and become a Republican and come home to us? Because you really think like us anyway. When are you just going to take the final step and just become a Republican, Teddy? out for breakfast, but I will never become a Republican. That doesn't mean that I wouldn't vote for a Republican if I felt it, they had the same values as me. Okay? I have. Mm-hmm. I missed. I missed. Do you have the same value? Do you have the same values as Joe Biden's family taking all these mo- taking all this money from foreign governments that some are hostile to the United States? Are those your values, Teddy? What about the, the Trumps? Ivana and no, 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 no. I asked you about Biden. Can you just please answer the question and let's not go into Trump. Let's 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 put Trump aside. I'm asking you about values in Biden. Do you share the the Biden family values, Teddy? Prove it. Prove it. Pro- and then I will accept it. Then I will then I will say to you, you were right. But prove it. OK, I will. In coming days. Thank you, Teddy. Love you, Teddy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that about wraps up another Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. Remember, John Katz and Machidi's interview with Bill Clinton. Katz Roundtable, 9, 10 a.m. tomorrow. May God bless, protect each and every single one of you, your families, and your loved ones. Love and gratitude for your being with me today and allowing me to be with you. God willing, we will all get together again on Monday for Boston Early's Rush Hour at 4 p.m. To my crew, and we'll see you later. Bye.
57 and cloudy on this Saturday, September 30th. Good morning, I'm Noam Layden. Well, people up early all over the tri-state beginning to clean up the mess left behind by Friday's raging floodwaters. Brooklyn hit really hard. Basement apartments there taken over by water that just gushed in. Mattresses were destroyed. Furniture was destroyed. Um, not to mention all the issues with the, you know, the sanitation concerns. The water actually comes back in through the main sewer line into the basement and it shoots like a frickin' geyser. The FDNY says they had to make at least three saves of people who were trapped in their basement of homes by rising water. The heavy rain, it took down lots of trees. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.